Welcome to episode three of Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. For those people who love to travel and those who love having a cold beer wherever they are in the world, this is the perfect place for you. On today's episode, we are talking with Mike Frizzell of Audacious Aleworks Brewery and Taproom. Remember how I mentioned in past episodes that I was occasionally working at a small brewery in Falls Church, Virginia? Well, this is the place, and Mike is one of the owners. He's also the head brewer. It's quite the job for him to continually have new beers coming out, keep as many of the 20 taps filled as possible, not waste any beer, and still run his share of the business. But somehow he manages to get it all done. He just misses out on a little sleep every now and then. Before we get into today's interview, though, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. I somehow managed to make it through an introductory episode and two full episodes of this podcast without ever telling anyone when we will be releasing new episodes. Well, let's fix that right now. From this point forward, you can expect to find a new episode of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer podcast, on the 1st and 15th of every month. We will try to split the episodes pretty evenly between breweries and travelers, but we won't make any promises on that front. Also, I'm happy to say that you can now find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Listen wherever you want, subscribe, and be sure to leave us a great review if you like what you hear. Okay, now on to today's episode. So sit back, relax, maybe crack open your favorite beer, and enjoy my conversation with Mike Frizzell. Like you heard in the intro, we're here today with Mike Frizzell of Audacious Aleworks in Falls Church, Virginia. He's one of the co-owners of this fairly new, they've been open about a year, uh, small brewery here in Falls Church. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I've mentioned in the past that I kind of work here I, occasionally. <laughs> I, I helped out a little bit when you guys started getting going and I kind of come in and do some special projects. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear what you think it is that I do here. <laughs> That's a good question, Jeff. No, so the, I, I would say more than just a little bit. So especially when we first were getting open, we had a lot of um, various things that we needed to get working with. There's a lot of little things, um, tubes and hoses and gauges and mechanical stuff. And you're pretty good at that, it turns out. And it seems like you had a summer job doing just about everything. Yeah, I had a, a little bit of a background that fit there with working in the high pressure gas and welding industry. Yeah, so that that really helped us get going and I think it would have taken a lot more effort and possibly some more experts coming in to do various things and it turns out you had the skill set to do it. So it, it really helped us out get going and now that we're up and going, it's just nice to know that you understand how everything works here and, and call you in for little odds and ends like we're you know we're still going to put that soundproofing up one of these days we're going to finish that project yeah that's something we started a while back if you hear a little bit of a echo we're here in the tap room today it's a, a fairly industrial look tap room uh, concrete bar counters uh, homemade wood tables and a lot of echo which is getting a little bit less as we're putting up these soundproofing things or, or sound deadening panels on the ceiling, but it's tough to find a time for the two of us to get together and do that. It is, and I am looking forward to getting all the rock wall insulation out of my garage as well as the burlap, so 
when we do get that done, there'll be two benefits to me. Yeah, that'll be nice. So we talked about a little bit how I helped out when you were getting started. Let's go back even further than that. Um, you're not the only one, not the only owner of this brewery. Who else uh, is working with you on this? So I'm a co-owner with Brian Reinald and he is, so we're both, we're the two partners in this. And <clears throat> Brian and I met about 20 years ago working on an IT contract and actually started an IT business back in 2000. So we worked that IT business for 17 years and we sold it at the end of 2017 and we opened this place up in April 2018. So this was sort of our launching from the IT business into the business we really wanted to do. And it only took us about two decades to get here. So you had told enough people to turn their computer systems on and off to fix problems <laughs> that you really needed a beer and you thought, what better way than to produce some on your own? It seems like telling people to reboot made them frustrated, but giving them beers makes them happy. So I feel like we, we made the right career choice. Made a transition into making the public happy. So that was a good move. Now you and Brian both do other things as well. This isn't your only business? Correct. I actually own three laundromats and have a laundry delivery service business. And Brian has a moon bounce business on the side. Well, not really on the side. I mean, these are businesses that take up our time, but it, it, I don't think we really have a side business. I, all our businesses are... All of them are full businesses. Are full businesses. And doing and so them all at the same time. Yeah, so we're always running around. We're always pretty much working. But yeah, I know, I know when I've been here in the past, you've had to take calls from the laundromat because various things went wrong. Sure. And we, we've talked in the past about how you used to pay your water bill to earn all sorts of miles and points with your credit cards before they kind of shut you down and stopped letting you do that. Oh, so miss that so much. I had so many Starwood points for a couple of years there. And we'll, we'll tie back into that towards the end of the podcast, the, the travel aspect of things. But you do a little bit with miles and points. You've done more in the past, again, when you could get that kind of deal. Sure. Um, but we'll get back to that after we talk more about the brewery. And you went through a little bit what made you guys decide to open a brewery. When did you actually open? So we opened on April 28th of 2018. And that's a great day because it's my anniversary, which means I could not be here, even though. <laughs> but you'll never though, forget when we opened. <laughs> that's true. Even though I, I helped out leading up to it, I think I was on a, a quick anniversary trip to Stockholm at the time, so I missed opening day. But I was here soon after that. I believe I was also on vacation for the official grand opening in June. But, you know, I'm, I'm here when I can be, and that's why I don't have a full-time job here, because I travel a lot. Really? Back to the brewery, you opened in April. You said 2017 was when you started to think about this. Actually, we, we started thinking about this probably two or three years before that. Okay, so and 2017 was when you made the move to close down the IT business and go full on into this. Exactly, yeah. So what were some of the roadblocks or obviously you didn't close the IT business and then open two months later. What, what problems did you run into when you were getting started out? Uh, well, I think this is sort of ubiquitous in in business in general if you have a bricks and mortar establishment it's probably not specific just to breweries but you know when you're trying to open a storefront somewhere and you're doing a build out you're going to come 
across all kinds of issues with permitting and contractors and architects. We did have an interesting issue because we rented two pod bays, whatever you want to call it, two addresses, and they were, there was a wall between them, and we wanted one big open space, so we had to put up a beam in the middle of the space and tear down that wall, and... And that was probably a pretty serious <clears throat> beam, yes. It's a, well, by the time we were done, the inspector, the inspector did started saying, started out by saying, yeah, this could probably hold up a five-story building. And then by the time he came for final inspection, he said, yeah, it's probably strong enough to hold up a 10-story building. We're a one-story building, and all it's doing is holding up a, you know, corrugated Just a roof. roof. <laughs> but it's funny, I, I put a screened-in porch on my house that I had back when I lived in Pennsylvania, and I went, a similar story, I went to the planning commission, and I had designed the whole thing and built the whole thing myself, and when I was designing the roof, I, my background is really in mechanical engineering, so I knew how to do snow loads and that kind of various thing, but I didn't feel like doing all that math, so I just kind of upped the size of all the boards. <laughs> and when I went to the planning commission, they said, well, you know, you have to calculate this and this and this and this, and what kind of boards are you using here? And I said, oh, those are two by eights or two by tens, and this is gonna be this. And he said, oh, well, that should hold it fine. I said, yeah, I didn't wanna to have to do the math. Yeah. So I just made everything bigger. So that roof, I think, could have held all sorts of snow, but it was a, a solid deck and a solid screened-in porch. So you did finally get the beam in. You mm -hmm. have, for those that haven't been here, which is probably most of the listeners, we're in kind of a, a mini mall or strip mall. There's a bike shop a couple down. There's a new cupcake shop that actually I hear just opened. Yesterday was the first time I've seen them open. They've been trying to open for a year. They're the nicest people. I've talked to them. I kept saying, when are you gonna open? There's any day now, and that was- Yeah, they the definitely had the coming soon sign up the first day I walked into this place but, to talk to you guys. So and, we're really happy to have them open because cupcakes and chocolate stout and various things like that sound like a great idea. Yeah, they go great together. And there's other things, there's a Dunkin' Donuts, there's a Caribbean restaurant around the corner in this plaza. So there's a, a lot of things, a lot of places people can get food. Uh, that's something we should touch on. You guys have recently started serving food. When you opened up, there was no food available, but people could bring in whatever they want or have deliveries made. But you're now in the tap room serving certain types of food. What right. types of food are those? So when we first opened, our idea was, well, we're just going to serve beer. But we came to the real, and, and we started doing free popcorn, which people loved. <clears throat> but we really were just trying to focus on getting beers beers on tap and that was a bit of a challenge in the beginning as a lot of places you know getting we're we're now up to 18 different kinds of beer and when we first opened that was a challenge because we didn't have that many beers yeah it's easy so, to make two or three and sure. get launched but if you have an ambitious tap you guys have 20 taps here if it's so, it's kind of ambitious to try to get that all up at once and that that is definitely our goal or was always our goal to have a lot of different beers to make sure that there was something for everybody so um, we didn't really focus on food and we said, hey, it's okay to bring in outside food. You can order a pizza from up the street. You can go next door to any of the restaurants, you know, whatever you want to do. Over time now that we've gotten the beer thing worked out to the point where I have 18 beers on tap now and we have more beers coming, that we wanted to make it a little easier for people to order food and I think people like it if they can just order food right here and get it and it's quick. And so what we do right now 
is we do grilled cheese and we have, I think, eight or nine different variants on grilled cheese with various meats and, and whatever. So if you come in, you can order a pint, you can order a grilled cheese sandwich, it comes with chips and a pickle. It's, it's not fancy, we're not doing fine dining here. What we're doing is come and have a beer, come have a sandwich. We'll probably, you know, solid comfort food to yeah. go along with your beer. And it's hard to find someone who doesn't like a grilled cheese. Absolutely. But we're also, and we'll probably add sausages later on. I think Brian's, Brian's basically in charge of that. So I know that he's talking about doing that, but we're just trying to perfect everything right now. Um, but the, the grilled cheeses are definitely a, a hit at this point. And I think, you know, it's just, it's another thing that makes it easy for people to just come here and hang out. And I think that's really what we've become is sort of just a neighborhood hangout. People like to come here, try lots of different beers. And, you know, so we, we wanted to give them something to snack on or, or just a, a dinner that's easy and quick. And when you say kind of a neighborhood hangout, um, I kind of being local to this area, this is, I don't know, a mile and a half from my house or something like that. But being local, I can see what the differences are between this and other local breweries or restaurants or places that serve beer. What, what was kind of the goal there? Or how, how have you made this unique to the area? How have you made this something that people can't find other places? Right. So I think the thing about us is because we're still, even though we're, we're putting food out, um, when you come in here, it's, it's clearly just all about hanging out with people and drinking beer. And when people come in here, like, we're not a sports bar. We have TVs. We, you, if the caps are on and they're in the playoffs, it'll be on the TVs with the sound off probably. We're not, we're not a, um, you know, a destination for that. We don't have live music. We tried that a couple times and realized that was not our fit. Um, when you come in here, you're, you're coming in here to meet people. You're coming in here to try our new beers. And so we try to put new beers on all the time so that there's always something interesting to come here for. Um, but it's not something where you're coming and you have to sit and watch, you have to sit and listen. You're here to interact with people. Probably the biggest thing we do that is we have a lot of board games and we have a board game night and we have a trivia night. And these are things where people interact with each other. And so I, I think when you come in here, you sit at a table with two or three other people and you just have a good time with each other and kind of connect. Yeah, and that's great. I know there are a couple other nearby places that have their own beers, but they're more like restaurants sure. and you don't get that opportunity here. You can kind of wander around and chat with other people or meet someone at the bar or you have a, a great staff on as uh, brew tenders and they are always happy to chat with people. The one guy, Andrew, has a, a consistent Connect Four challenge, I think it is, <laughs> where if you beat him in Connect Four, you get a couple dollars off your next pint. Yeah, I think it's $3 off and right now his record, I can see on the wall, is 70 and 26. So 70 and 26. So, uh, you know, you've got... He's doing pretty well, but you've got a chance to beat him. About a one in four chance of coming in and get a discount off your next beer. And I don't think there's a limit to how many times you can play him either. So you, no, could, you no. could keep trying, I guess. Yes, yes. And that's, that's a fun trying. way for him to interact and for some of the customers to kind of interact and learn a, bit, a little bit about, little bit more about one of the bartenders and about the brewery here. Sure, and each of the brew tenders 
is now has sort of their own mix of, they, they like to take two beers, or in Andrew's case, I guess, four beers, and mix them together. It's, you know, a black and tan type of thing where you, you mix a couple of beers. They, they like to, because we have so many beers, it's easy for them to try different things. And so they've each come up with something that customers like. And Yeah, and you get a lot of different tastes with that. Even though there's a ton of beers to try that all have different flavor profiles. I know the first one I had was uh, the one bartender, Allie, made what she called the Thirsty Mango because there's a, a beer called the Thirsty Work IPA and then there's also a Mango IPA. And I was trying to decide what to have one night when I was in here with friends. And she said, why don't you have a Thirsty Mango? And I said, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and she said, oh, I'll get one for you. It'll be great. And it, it's actually delicious. It's, sure. It doesn't have quite the amount of fruit that the Straight Mango IPA has. And it has uh, some of that more bubbly, citrusy flavor from the Thirsty work. And it, it really goes well together. And yeah, when I just came in and set up here to record today, I noticed there's, it's now up on the wall on the menu. And there's four different drinks from the different bartenders with mixes. So yep. I'm, I'm excited to see what the other bartenders have come up with. It's been a while since I've been in here and uh, attended bar with them. So we've been talking a little bit uh, about the bartenders or brew tenders. We know about you and Brian and I'm here occasionally. Is there anyone else that works here at the brewery? Yeah, so Alex is the other brewer who works with me. And honestly, he does probably the majority of the work when it comes to the brewing. Um, I brew with him when we on brew days, which is generally once or twice a week, but he does all the nitty gritty stuff that needs to be done, as well as he's come up with a couple of beer recipes as well. He's a avid home brewer. He works at a brew shop, uh, home brew supply store. Mm -hmm. So he has a wealth of knowledge about brewing which has been very helpful to me, much like it was helpful when you came in and did a lot of the mechanical stuff. Alex knows all kinds of both mainstream and arcane things about brewing. And so that has been really helpful in. And so us, you guys work together beer. On, on the brewing side of things. Mm -hmm. Brian handles most of the tap room side of things, sure. right? So yep. he's kind of in charge of scheduling the, the bartenders, making sure things run smoothly out here and kind of deciding and pushing what kind of foods are gonna end up out here. It seems every time I come in lately, he's changed something around. Right, well, so he's, I, I never yeah, he's really working know. through it. And the one of the things though is Brian and I sit down um, periodically and look at what beers are coming because that kind of affects both sides, both what are you going to brew and what am I going to be serving? So we'll sit down and say, hey, these are the beers that we need to rebrew. These are the things that are popular. These are the things that custom, this is the big thing I get, um, you know, and sitting down with Brian, he's like, here's what I'm hearing from people about what they want. What they like and, and what, what they want what to see What they would like of. to see more of or, or try this. And so between the two of us, we kind of come up with the beer schedule for the next couple of months every, every once in a while. Um, and then I, I'm basically just in charge of executing that um, with Alex. And then, yeah, Brian does the, a lot of the stuff that, you know, is the, the thankless tasks of scheduling and, and uh, payroll and things like that. Dealing with the paperwork and the yeah. non-fun side of things. So brewing isn't always fun when you're pulling the 
the waste product out and it's oh, no. steaming yeah. hot and it's, heavy and I, I like to say to it's, it's it. hot wet work and we actually have a policy where we don't brew while we're open and I know some breweries are not open seven days a week we are open seven days a week um, but we don't open till four and so I'll come in as early as 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning to get a brew day started with the goal that we want to be done before customers come in because we don't want hoses and hot water and loud cleaning the noises in the Because we balls. said before, you do the tap room and the brewery is two sections of this mini mall, but you can see kind of everything. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just one big room now with that wall taken down in the middle. So really there's a, a bar over on this side that we're sitting on with the taps. And then on the far side of the room, there's another bar and behind that is a whole bunch of kegs, some empty, some full of beer. And then uh, the five barrel fermenters are right there. And mm -hmm. the brew system is in the back a little bit farther, but you can see it from when you're sitting at the sure. bar. So it's, it would be very evident if you're brewing while people are here, it would be distracting. So it's nice that you, you start out early trying to avoid that. Yeah, I mean, it's not so nice when I'm waking up at four o'clock in the morning, but you know, when, and as you, you know, well know from traveling is, you know, sometimes you just readjust your schedule and you get up and then maybe you're sleeping at three o'clock in the afternoon for an hour and a half and your body's just confused, but you know, you get what you need and then you move on. Yeah. And I'm, I have that kind of a situation coming up this weekend. I booked some super cheap flights for spring break. My wife and I are going to French Polynesia to, we fly into Tahiti and then we're so awesome. taking a ferry over to Moria and spending a few days there, but the flights were very cheap. I think it was $600 round trip out of DC in economy, but it's not the greatest flight schedule. And we fly tomorrow night, we fly a short flight to Atlanta, and then we have an overnight in Atlanta, and then a flight to LA, and then a nine hour layover in LA, and then Oof. we have an overnight flight to Tahiti, which we're making the best of it. I, I've got some friends in Atlanta, so we may see some people tomorrow night. And then we actually have friends in LA picking us up to do kind of a layover out at Venice Beach and I th then I think, take Jeff, us back to the airport. What people really want to know is, have you found the breweries in Tahiti that you're going to go to? I have looked. <laughs> I have looked long and hard, and there's, there's not a lot of small brewing happening. Huh. On these Sounds like tiny, an opportunity. Tiny French Polynesian islands. I think a lot of that is a supply issue. There's not <laughs> a lot of uh, barley or wheat being farmed hmm. in the South Pacific, amazingly. I could see that. Hops, maybe. There, there are some big breweries. There's one on the island of Tahiti, but I had a hard time finding too much information about a tour, and we're not really going to spend much time on that island, so I won't be able to visit that. But they do. Uh, a couple of local Tahitian brews, and then they brew um, some of the other more international beers. And they do, they also do Coca-Cola and they do a variety <laughs> of things. It's a, it's a huge company and they do all sorts of things. Sure. But one of those things is a couple of Tahitian beers. <laughs> so I should be able to get those over on Maoria and it should be, I, believe me, I will try them. But yes. You'll have to let us know how they, how they stack up. Yeah, I won't be able to visit any breweries. When I come back from that, uh, the week after next, I'm home for, I think, three days. Then I'm going to Dallas for an overnight, and I have some breweries scheduled there that I'm actually going to record podcast episodes with a couple of breweries there. So awesome. I'll, I'll get some more local brew that next week. Very nice.
Now we've talked a little bit you have, about the wide variety of beers that you have since I haven't been here in several weeks. You asked what I hadn't had before we started this, so I've been sipping away here at, I think I tried five new beers that I hadn't had, yep. a couple that aren't even officially out on tap yet, and, and now I'm finishing up with a little bit of the Leprechaun's Luck Chocolate Mint Stout. That's one of my favorites that I've had. It's a nice, cool, creamy, It's you're serving it on nitro, so it's got that smoothness to it, and it's mm -hmm. just a, a delicious, dark beer. And time is limited for those because in the summer, nobody really wants to drink a dark beer. So yeah. I'm getting as much as I can. And, <laughs> Although you'd be surprised. I mean, people, there's definitely people who always want a stout. So we'll always, I promise, we will always have some sort of stouter porter on tap. And that's what I was going to say. I, I'm actually that guy who will order a stout I, in the I winter. I am a little bit myself. Get four different dark beers when it's 97 degrees outside. And, you know, that's what I want to drink. That's what I want to drink. Sure. We Are have there air conditioning in here, so it's not. Yeah, it's always nice and cool in here. You do have some outside tables available in the summer. Yep. Block off a couple of spots in the parking lot, so if people want to come and then enjoy the beers. Uh, is it okay if they bring their dogs? So we can't have dogs inside because of the health regulations, but that's one of the, one of the things about the tables outside that's nice is it is um, perfectly fine to bring your, your dogs out, outside and sit at the tables outside, and we actually... We've already seen that now. I mean, it's it's <clears throat> it's April, and it's already happened quite a few quite a few nights. And somebody brought a really lovely golden retriever last night, and so yeah, you can you can bring dogs, and you can certainly bring kids. There's usually a couple of kids running around in here, and it's you know yeah, we try to make it a comfortable environment. Although it's mainly families. a brewery, it, I guess it is a brewery. There, you've done a <laughs> lot of things to help out for the kids and help it make make it a more family-friendly place. And that started out with the free popcorn, and now you've got some grilled cheese sandwiches. Mm -hmm. There's uh, kid snacks and juice boxes and milks, I think, yeah. and a couple of like cheese sticks and various things for sale for the kids. One of the walls is, is painted, and there's chalk to use so they can draw pictures and a giant picture frame, plenty of games to play. So it's a great place to come with the family and just hang out. And especially once it gets a little nicer out, if you want to bring your dog along too and sit outside and enjoy a couple of beers. With this, with this big variety of beer that you sell, I know not everybody likes every kind of beer. Are there any beers that you brewed that you were kind of trying out and you tasted it and you were like, yeah, I don't really like that, but the public has just loved, so you have to keep brewing it. Sure, well, so, you know, beer, beer taste is, is a very personal thing and for instance, I do not like the taste of coffee. I never have. I don't mind coffee and stouts. That, that's just enough for me. But we, we brew a <clears throat> coffee vanilla blonde ale, which is unusual. It's not something you see in a lot of places. Yeah, it's very different because it's usually, like you mentioned, you get the coffee in stouts. And in right. very dark beers, you get those coffee and those roasted flavors. But this is when you get it poured for you it's a very light looking beer sure and you it smell is. it and it smells like coffee and it and it is it does it definitely i mean it has undertones of vanilla that are definitely they will definitely show through but it's a strong coffee taste and for people who love coffee which there are a lot of people they love this beer me personally 
I <laughs> have a hard time with it, but, um, but I'm brewing it right now and it'll be back on tap next week. And, and that's one of the things, sorry, beers for us, because we have so many different um, types of beers that we want to brew, beers will come on and come off and there's maybe five or six beers that we try to always have on tap. This is actually probably one of them, but it just happened that it went off tap a little quicker than we thought. Yeah, that, that would be an example of a beer that I wouldn't brew for myself, but, but the customers, the customers want, it, so. want that. And whereas I would brew like the Dragon's Head Strong Belgian Ale for myself constantly, <laughs> but, you know, and so people that was... like that, but it's being a 9.5 ABV, it's not something that's going to go super fast. And so I don't have to brew it constantly, but for me, it's like, well, I always want that beer on tap. So there's, there's your personal favorites as the brewer. And, and the nice thing is that the Bombastic Birdie Beans, which is the coffee vanilla blonde, is Brian's favorite beer. So, you know, it's good because it's also letting him have his favorite beer and keeping the customers happy that like coffee. So, so you guys can both have your favorites on tap. That's, exactly. You actually got ahead of me. That was my next question. <laughs> what was your favorites? <laughs> but you can both have your favorites on tap. And because you have so many different beers, even if they aren't the favorites of the customers, you can still have another 16 or 17 beers for the customer to choose from. And that, that coffee beer, the coffee blonde, is something that I saw, I served pint after pint after mm. pint of that when I, the last few times I worked in the tap room, which were several months ago. And I can see that that was definitely one of the more popular beers. And it was surprising when you first brewed that, that was kind of a test. We, we took a Blondale and split it into two different batches and added different flavorings in. That one got a whole bunch of coffee beans and some vanilla and we it was kind of a test we didn't even do a full batch of it and then it just went like hotcakes yeah absolutely and and the other half of that test was a coconut which wasn't quite as distinctive but we're actually getting ready to rebrew that because it enough people did like the the coconut key that you know we're going to try that again too and i think that yeah and that's are, a great people summer beer as, as we get into the summer coconut makes you think of the islands and mm -hmm. the happiness and i'm daydreaming as i say that because <laughs> i'm going to be on an island yeah. in I'm, four I'm going, days so. i'm going to florida in uh less than 24 hours i'll be in florida so i, I i'm already half checked out jeff <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and we tried to squeeze this in before we both headed out on our travels but spring break uh, in the dc area definitely a great time to get away to somewhere warm and nice mm-hmm absolutely so a couple of quick questions about craft beer in general, and then we'll talk a little bit about your travel background, sure. and then we'll wrap up. But there's a lot of small breweries opening, and it seems to be everywhere, especially in the U.S., but you see it in other countries as well. Is there, do you think there's a sort of a craft beer bubble happening? Do you think we've reached the top of that? Is it going to pop? Are places going to start closing up, or do you think we're just getting started with that? So, you know, it's hard to say, and... and of course, if you can predict these kind of things, you, you can just get rich by predicting these things and getting out in front of stuff. Um, but I would say that obviously there's places where there's a lot of competition. If you go to Colorado or San Diego or somewhere like that, where there's just craft breweries everywhere, there's going to be some shakeout. But the nice thing about craft beer is I don't think it's so much of a fad or a let's jump in like I'm gonna go I'm gonna 
buy houses and then I'm going to flip houses and like, well, eventually <laughs> there's not enough customers, right? But, but um, the thing about craft beer is, yeah, I mean, there's definitely places that if you don't execute well, you're probably not going to be able to deal with the competition. But there's so many bars and so many restaurants and so many places that serve beer and serve alcohol that this isn't really a new thing. It's just a, it's just a different take on, so it's more of a shift on yeah, where things are going. Yeah, it's a shift, I think. And I, and I think it's like, okay, fine. If For every craft brewery that opens, maybe a bar that's been here, you know, and didn't do that well goes away. Or, or maybe they're just meeting some demand that was unmet. It, it's going to vary from place to place. But I don't, I would say the bubble, a bubble has a connotation that it ramped up super hot and it was unsustainable, and then there was a huge collapse. And I don't think that there's going to be a collapse so much as a, the people who are doing it well are going to get customers, and they're going to get customers from various places, not just other craft breweries. It's, I, I'm not in competition with just other craft breweries, and, and it's funny because in the craft brewing industry, we we all like act like we're not in competition with each other at all. And to some degree we're not because it's, it's, it is a very cooperative industry. Um, but that's the thing. It, it's, we're just competing. I'm competing against Budweiser as much as I am against another craft brewery. So can I convince somebody to drink craft beer instead of Budweiser? Well, then I didn't take away from a restaurant. I didn't take away from another brewery. And so, that, that's the brewing in the background. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I mean, sure, there's always going to be some shakeout, especially if something's hot and it can't stay hot indefinitely. But I think that it's not going to be like what a typical bubble would be. And that's what I hope. I mean, I could be wrong, but. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see as time goes on. I kind of agree with you that I think it's more of a shifting taste and it's not something that's going to disappear completely. It may not, you may not see as many breweries opening at the pace that they're opening now once you reach a market saturation kind of level in a lot of places, but it's something where the smaller areas that don't have a craft brewery or it, in Falls Church here, we didn't have a straight craft brewery that was just a brewery and tap room until you guys opened mm -hmm. up. So it was definitely a market that was uh, available and I think you guys have done a great job filling that spot. And well, and, you know, if you look, if you, you talk about travel, it's like, you know, you travel to say Ireland and there's other places, but that, that being Irish, that's sort of a, a place that I can, I can relate to is there, there are towns like Dublin or cities like Dublin or Galway, or you, you just walk in and there's, there's a pub on every corner. And you would think that there's a pub bubble, right? A bubble. But yet, you know, this has been going on for hundreds of years because they have a, a model where they just they serve their their community, they serve their base, and and so I think it, it, as a, if you are trying to be a craft brewer in the model of say the tech industry where you want to make a billion dollars, you're probably going to be sad. But if you're in to serve the community, and you know that the thousand or two thousand or ten thousand people who are closest to you geographically are going to love you and and be loyal customers, that's a very different idea from, you know, when you talk about bubbles. Yeah, and that's a, a great way of looking at it. And London is another example of that. In London, you can go to, not only is there a pub on every corner, but every neighborhood of that city 
and it may be one pub or it may be three pubs or maybe five pubs, but every neighborhood has their own beer. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like they have their own craft brewing scene sure. that's been there forever. And they're, a lot of them are very similar beers, but it's their own brewed beer and they don't have 15 different varieties, but it's their own brewed beer. And right. if you walk three blocks down the street, you're getting a different beer. It tastes <laughs> a little bit different. And people are very passionate about that kind of thing. Yeah. And they won't go to this bar because it's not as good as the one three blocks down the street and this or that. So getting into travel, I know... I've talked to you a bunch about my travels for beer. Are there places specifically, you mentioned uh, Denver, you mentioned Portland, you mentioned Dublin. Are there other places that you've gone or places that you've traveled to either specifically to try the beer because you know they have great beer culture or that you've gone to and then been surprised how amazing the beer is there? So a, a good story is, well, to me anyway, is, uh, I was in San Francisco. My wife, her, her parents live six months here in Virginia and six months in San Francisco. They go back to San Francisco whenever it gets too hot or too cold here in, uh, in Virginia. And so we went out to visit them with my seven-year-old daughter, my wife and I. And we went to the Presidio, I think it's called, the, the park there in San Francisco, yeah. the main park there. And we were all over, and it was a hot day, and my daughter was just melting down, and which was making my wife melt down, which was making me melt down, and we were just all miserable and, and angry. And, and I, I looked on my phone, it's like, I gotta do something here. And I saw that um, the social kitchen in San Francisco, which is a brewery that I had read about because they were making a Brute IPA. And at the time, I was really interested in making a Brute IPA. And they invented it. They were made the first one. So and that's I, the place to go if and you're I saw, try one. Right, and I, had had, I tried a, a couple Brute IPAs here in Virginia, and I wasn't really impressed that they were any different. I felt like there was something missing. Like, it was, it was something, I felt like it was something someone had brewed because they read about it, but didn't know what it was supposed to be. And I was nine blocks away from Social Kitchen. So I said, Katie, I'm going to Social Kitchen. <laughs> if you guys want to come with me, that's fine. We are, but I'm going there. It's nine blocks away from here. I'm, sil I'm solving my part of the mess. Yes. <laughs> so I will not be mad at anybody any longer. And so we, we got in a, an Uber because, you know, I would have walked, but everybody was melting down. So we... Um, it took us a couple minutes to get there, and I sat down, and I got to talk to one of the brewers there and hang out, and, and DC United, was the so our local soccer club, had just turned on the TV. I thought, well, this is karma right here, right? Everything's coming together for me. And I got to try the Brood IPA, and, and it was distinctive, and I thought, okay, well, now I understand. Now I understand what it's supposed to taste like, and I came back and brewed it. And so I got to, I got to go to a place that I, I knew I had this in my mind, but it was not like something I had forgotten about it, and then it came up, and I thought, oh, God, I've got to go here right now. And that's a great idea of how to travel for beer. I've done that. I, we've talked a lot about 
going to different festivals or going to different places with lots of craft beer in the past one on the in, podcast. Um, and Munich. There, there sure is. A festival there. <laughs> I mean, I've gone to that a couple of times. But another thing, like you mentioned, is going to the place where something was invented or the first place mm -hmm. that things were. When I was down in Havana, we did that a couple of times with uh, the Dikery and uh, with the Mojito. And I've been to... Um, uh, there was a bar, uh, Le Lyon Bar in Hamburg. When I was going to that town, a friend of mine said, oh, you have to go to this bar. And I was like, oh, okay. And I looked a little into it, and it was a crazy fancy bar. So I had, to, I actually brought clothes specifically to dress up to oh, go to God. that bar. But their famous thing that they invented was a drink called the Gin Basil Smash, sure. which was amazing. And it was with fresh basil, and I was like, this is going to be my go-to drink. I didn't know we were allowed to go outside of beer. Because, I mean, we've been to Madeira and, uh, and Porto. Yeah, so it's... it's <laughs> and that was very specifically for alcohol for sure yeah and i sadly i since i've been back to the united states i have yet to find a bartender who can make that drink in a way where it's delicious <laughs> and i've tried believe me but the same as we've traveled to those different places for different types of alcohol you can do that same thing with beer because i mean if you love new england ipas or those hazy ipas what better place to go than new england sure I've had in Burlington, Vermont, I've had some amazing beers up there. There's a place called Foam Brewing that was fairly new when I was last up there a couple of years ago. And they, had, they were doing some great work with IPAs. It's not something that they distribute far and wide, so a lot of people haven't heard of them. But right. sometimes those, those local small places like here at Audacious Ale Works, you get the best of the best because they're really trying to serve that community. Yeah, and I, I one of one of the other things that we just did when we went to that on that San Francisco trip, so we went up to Napa, to wine country, and I'm doing that thing with quotes, um, but there were a couple uh, breweries there that we stopped in. Matt and Fritz was the one that I remember distinctly, and they were doing Origin Brewing, and they had all they were they were using the same concepts the wine industry used a very local high-end ingredients that you couldn't find more than 50 miles away from where they were at and you know they 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 were using they would they would finish things on sommelier grapes or whatever and it so turned out a, a farm to pint glass yeah and it, it turned out to be one of the best brewery experience visiting experiences i've had in the middle of wine country so it was kind of a, an interesting experience. And it's like, yeah, wherever you go, if it's unlikely to be, if it's like, yeah, Denver, of course, there's lots of breweries there. San Diego, there's lots of breweries. Asheville, there's lots of breweries. But if you go somewhere that's not known for breweries, it's probably more likely that you're going to find some sort of weird kooky brewery, right? Yeah, I mean, and you should always keep your eye out because you never know what you're going to find in the smallest of small towns. There's someone who started something up because they wanted good beers and they couldn't find it locally so they're making great beers and now yeah. it's this kind of mecca <laughs> of the middle of nowhere that people drive to so we'll finish up here with uh kind of a fun question um in my last episode i asked about beards in the brewing industry but neither you or brian have a beard no. Um, you've got a little stubble right now, but I think that's probably more stress of trying to get ready to go on vacation yeah, with a family. Sure. <laughs> so, I haven't shaved in two days. It's, I've got a, I've got yeah. a five o'clock times two beer. So we'll give you the, the other side of the fun question. And uh, 
generally when you go into a craft brewery, the, the bartenders, the owners, the brewers, everybody is very friendly, loves to talk to the public, is, is a great conversation. Are people genuinely that friendly or are they just buzzed all the time? Can it be both? <laughs> <laughs> Can it be both? No. Yeah. Good I, answer. Good I would, answer. I would say that it's actually probably more on the friendly side is that when you remove the the stress elements from people's lives, you know, especially we're we're here in Northern Virginia and in this in this area, people are known for being maybe not the friendliest people in the world. Um, nobody comes to DC and is like, God, the people were so friendly there. But I think when you are in here, you don't necessarily have to be drinking. And the, the brew tenders do not drink. So, you know, there's... Yeah, obviously not yeah, while they're working. Not while they're working. Now, they've tried all the beers, of course, the ones that are... Um, you know, everybody's 21 now, so it's okay. But you can be 18 and, and still serve, serve beer in Virginia, it turns out. But um, you just can't drink it. But, uh, oh, but I think that it's not so much the, the, the drinking of the beer that makes the brew tenders friendly. It's just that everybody who comes in here is happy. And so, and there's no stress. I mean, there's stress. Serving beer is, you know, it's a job, but it's not a, it's not a job that makes you unhappy. And then when you turn around and you see smiles on the people, on the faces of the people, and they want to talk about beer. And that's what just, it's so much fun to, I, just last night I was in here and I was just wandering around tables and I'm talking to the, to the customers in here and they want to they want to talk about the beer and they want to talk about how it's made and they want to talk about what's going into it and I just don't really get tired of that and and they're just so pleased to be able to 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 discuss this with people who own the own the place or work in the place that I, I think that that's what it really comes down to is that you're making customers happy and happy customers make the employees happy and it's just it kind of, just as you can get into a negative situation and it spirals downward, you know, it seems to spiral upward here. And, and yeah, I think happy people just make other people happier. And, and sure, alcohol doesn't hurt. <laughs> Everybody kind of gets a little happier as the night goes on. But um, I think it's just generally a happy place. It's a happy business. People are, don't go to the brewery and then drown in their sorrows. They, they go there and talk to people and... and have a good time. I think that if even if you're a little bit cranky or stressed from your day in the, the D.C. metropolis or the northern Virginia area, <laughs> which sitting in traffic can easily uh. end up happening at the end of your day, when you come in here and you, you sit down with a beer or you sit down with a sampler of four beers and you start tasting them and you know that you're drinking good beer and everyone around you is drinking good beer and happier, that stress kind of just melts away and that's true here as much as it is at other craft breweries. And that's one of the reasons I love visiting them. It's a, just a, a great place to relax and try something new and enjoy your couple hours or evening or I don't know, whole day on a Saturday, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do with whatever it. Whatever you have time for. So I think we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much to Mike for joining me. Thanks, if you're Jeff. ever in the Falls Church Virginia area, definitely uh, look up Audacious Ale Works and stop by. They will have lots of different beers on tap, depending on what your style is and what you like. They're pretty much sure to have something here as long as it's a beer. <laughs> so thanks, Mike. And uh, I think we're both going to go now and furiously try to get packed for our vacations that we're leaving for tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Jeff.
Well, hopefully you enjoyed that little chat with Mike Frizzell of Audacious Aleworks Brewery and Taproom. Mike and Brian own and run the brewery. They have an assistant brewer that helps out with making the beers, several bartenders who are happy to serve up your favorite brews, and then they have me, the guy who shows up every now and then to help out with special projects and once in a while works behind the bar. Together, we run a pretty fun place to stop by for a beer. If you want to try some of the beers for yourself, though, you'll have to make your way to Falls Church, Virginia. Who knows? Maybe someday I'll see you there. All of the important points and links that we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can check there to pick up anything you missed the first time through. And that's all we have for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of the new episodes we have coming down the line. Also, tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy too. Until next time, safe travels, happy drinking, and cheers. We'll see you in the tap room. Okay.